Twiceborn Podcast. I'm Mike Bailey. If you haven't already, please go to the website twiceborn.net. If you would like to reach out, please email twicebornministry at gmail.com. Enjoy. And you know, as, as a human, I think it's really easy for me to really not understand the cost of the cross or the cost of sin. And so this series is hopefully leading us to that place of what did Jesus really pay for and and what did it mean for him to go to the cross. If you missed last week, we talked about the origin of sin and we talked about how it led to Jesus having to to pay that price on the cross for us. And today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what what does that mean as far as is there any other way? What did that cost really pay for and how does that cost compare um, to what we have done? And so as we look this morning, one thing I want, I want to make clear every time we come together is that we are born of the flesh. I know you were born of, the, uh, of water because you're here. You had a mother. We all had a mother, and you are here physically. And we have a little baby here demonstrating that we all are started that place, right? We're all beginning at one point in this world. But you know, the Bible clearly teaches, and Jesus said it while he's here, and the reason we're gathering in this room, and the reason billions of people all over the earth are gathering, is because Jesus said there's a second birth that needs to take place in your life. And that second birth is being born of the Spirit, or being born again. And this morning, as we go through what, what the Bible teaches and what Jesus says, that's the most important thing. Everything else is a second-tier subject compared to have you been born again. And so this morning, I would encourage you to consider in your own life, you can't be born uh, of a family that's been born again. You have to be specifically born again yourself. And so I would just encourage you in that this morning. And I grew up in the church, so I know how easy it is to say, my mom and dad are Christians, my dad's a pastor, that means I'm a Christian. I was born in the United States. When they give me a a, a census form and it says, are you Muslim, are you Hindu, are you atheist, or are you Christian, I don't have any other options. I I was born into this, and so I can understand why many people will assume, well, I'm just a Christian, that's who I am, that's the culture I was born in, that's the place I was born. But unfortunately, Scripture says it's not about where you were born or who you were born to. You have to be born again. You have to be born of the Spirit. And so there's a challenge there. There's a challenge, and really we all face this challenge, and it's called what do we believe? Where is our faith? What do we believe in? You know, as we moved here, it's interesting. We've been over here almost two years. Uh, my wife grew up in Stewart, Florida. Um, I know that, that US-1 can get pretty busy. I've heard it called useless one before. <laughs> I've heard that. Maybe you've heard that before. Um, I can tell you when it's a car race or if it's bike week or truck week or Jeep week or whatever the week is they came up with for this week or it's spring break for some school somewhere and they're here, uh, if you get on Dunlop Avenue, you're going to have, it's going to take twice as long, right? There's a lot more people on the road and many of them are coming from Orlando and they have a little beach place over here and so the weekend means beach time and so it's hard to get over to that part of of where we live and the road gets congested. And there's a view in our world today that, that heaven is like that, that there's all these roads and all of them are just different and they all lead to the same place. And, and really that's the prevailing view of much of the world is that all the roads, whatever path you go on, whatever road you find in your life, whatever path is right for you, that somehow that road will lead you to heaven. And this morning, 
There's bad news and there's good news. There's bad news that that's not true. Not all roads lead to heaven. Not everyone's path is going to lead them to heaven. Um, and it's, to say that and to believe that is actually not to love. Because to love is to speak the truth. And so when I was a youth pastor, I can remember I would go into the senior pastor's office and he had this painting on his wall and it kind of, it, it seared itself in my memory. I just remember kind of staring at this painting when I was supposed to be listening to whatever the meeting was about. Um, I would be looking at this painting and just thinking about what it meant. And really, as you look at this painting, it, it says, this is the cost of the cross. This is what the cross pays for. This is what the cross does. The cross builds a bridge to God and to heaven. Without the cross, there's a chasm that cannot be overcome. And so this morning, as we talk about the cost, we talk about the resurrection next Sunday, we talk about why did Jesus have to be crucified? Why did Jesus have to go to a cross? Why did he have to have a miserable, horrible death? Why did they do this to them? Why did he allow them to do this to him? And that's what we want to ask the Lord and really get to the root of, are there many ways? And in the one way, what did it cost Jesus for there to be one way for you and me today? And so before we go to his word, we're going to precede it with prayer, um, mainly because throughout scripture, that's what they did. They preceded God's word with prayer. So we're going to do that together now. Father God, you are, you are holy, you are just, you are righteous, you are awesome, you are loving, you are kind, you are patient. And you love us in these moments, you love us in this place. And Lord, we want to celebrate you and, and we want to recognize what you've done, that you left heaven and became flesh so that we could become as you are in heaven, Lord, that we would be your children, that we could be part of your family. And so, Lord, we ask as we look at your words that they would not return void, Lord, that they would be clear and concise, that we would understand them, that we would uh, receive them in both our spirit and our intellect, that we would understand, and Lord, that we would be able to apply what you've taught, and Lord, not only would we apply it, we would share it, and Lord, I pray that you would stir within our hearts people that we need to share this truth with, people that we need to, to talk about these conversations with, and so, Lord, I ask that you would bless this time that, Lord, you would guide this conversation and that your Holy Spirit would help us now to know you and to know who we are and to knew, know the path that we have in front of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We start in Genesis, the, the first book of the Bible, creation, uh, very quickly after creation. We don't really know the amount of time, but this, this horrible event takes place where Adam and Eve are tempted. They both fall into temptation. They, they give in uh, to the deception of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and they eat of the fruit they're told not to eat of. And this leads us to chapter 3, verse 8. After they had done this, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. And so the very beginning, the nature of us, the human nature, was when we recognize that we've done something we ought not have done, when we recognize we have disobeyed, not only have we disobeyed, because that's a strange word, we have rejected. 
We've rejected the wisdom of God. We've rejected the direction of God. We have determined that our way is better than his way. And then we recognize, wow, that's not true. Shame falls upon us. Guilt falls upon us. And like many and so many, we hide from God. And in my life, there's times I've hid from God. I'm sure in your life, there's times you hid from God out of guilt. And this morning, as we think about that idea, there's so many in our world today, they live their whole lives hiding from God. Maybe they hide under alcohol. Maybe they hide under addiction. Maybe they hide under areas they just keep getting deeper and deeper into places, hiding from God, when God is really the only answer to their problems, the only solution to the issues. Look, he's coming to the altar every time. If only we all would be like this. Praise God. So what does sin do? This thing that Jesus paid for on the cross, this thing that, 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 that God paid for by a, as becoming a human, what did he pay for? He paid for our shame and our guilt. He paid so that we don't have to hide in the garden anymore. We don't have to hide from him. Some of us feel like, well, I'm inadequate. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. God will never receive me. I've done too much sin. I've done too much bad. How could he forgive me of this? How could he forgive me of that? And the cross says it's greater than all of your sin. The cross is greater than all of our sin. Now, some of us struggle on the other side where we say, my sin's not that bad. It's not that big a deal. I'm hiding mostly because I'm not that bad and the little things I don't want them to really focus on. And so we're all there. We got to admit we're all there. We're all in the same place. How do I know this? Because uh, we're told about this in Matthew 26. Actually, I got ahead of myself. Sorry. Romans 5.15 Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, sin entered the world, he made a decision to reject God, and the death through sin, death entered the world, all the things that are horrible in life entered the world at this moment, and in this way, death came to who? All people. Why? Because all sinned. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're sinners. I am cursed with the disease of sin. Sin has saturated to every person that's ever lived and will ever live. And so the problem of sin is everywhere. The issue of sin is everywhere. The separation between me and God is between everyone and God because of sin. And so sin is the problem that we're all dealing with and separates us from God. And so this morning as we look at this, we have to ask ourselves the question. Here's the question. Is there anything else that can cure sin? Are there any boosters that we can get that can cure sin? Is there a vaccine we can get that can cure sin? Is there another religious perspective that can cure sin? Can atheism cure sin? Can my pride cure sin? You see, the question of how many roads lead to heaven, the question of how do we get to God, the question of how do we make ourselves right with the Lord comes down to this. Is there any other way than the cross? You know what's the most profound thing to me, and I hope you get this, I hope you remember this. Please highlight this in your Bible. Please share this with other people. A lot of people, and I grew up, my dad was the campus pastor at Penn State. My father was part of an intellectual movement. He went to Berkeley. He put me around professors my whole life, critical thinkers, people that thought outside and said, we want to criticize and be critical about everything so that we can truly understand things. They would say, all roads lead to heaven. They would say it's foolishness to think that there's one way 
They would say that that's, that's a narrow-minded person. That is a, a person that, that doesn't see that there's all kinds of cultures and views and perspectives in the world. And so I understand that. I understand that criticism. I understand that challenge. But you know, somebody asked that question that's much greater than me. There's someone who asked that question that's much greater than you. And here's what it says in Matthew 26, verse 39. This is Jesus. He's on his way to go to the cross. He says, going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed this. This is what Jesus prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus asks the question, he asks the question, is there any other way to deal with sin? Father, if there is any other way, any other way for me to go to heaven, any other way for those that, that you love to be right with you, if there's any other cure than me and this cross, please let's go that way. If Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, if they are the way, let it be that. If being good enough and not a bad person is a good way, let it be that way. If enlightened thinking and atheism is the way, let it be that way. So Jesus poses the question that we as humans have asked, is there any other way? Jesus poses the question, is there any other way to God? Is there any other cure to sin? Is there anything else that can deal with death in the problems of this world. And he says, but not my will, but your will be done. And what was Jesus' will? What was God's will? It was for him to go to the cross. It was for him to pay for our sin. And so here's the truth. Jesus asked. He asked the question that so many asked. He asked the question, is there another way? Is Jesus the only way? And God answered clearly. God was extraordinarily clear in his answer to how many ways there are to him. He said there's one. It is by one way that man can be saved. There is one cure. There is one answer. There is only one way. And so this morning, we have to deal with that challenge. How do I share that truth with others? How do I live that truth out, letting them know that this is the way? You know, the first Christians were called those of the way because it was directional. You know, if you follow Christ, you're on a path. When you follow Christ on a path, it leads to your home, and your home is not in this world. You are just passing through. And so this morning, when I understand that he is the one way, he is the truth and the life, when I understand that he has paid for sin on the cross, the cost of the cross was my sin, it opens my eyes to the truth of who I am. It opens my eyes to the truth of what I'm to do. It opens my eyes to how I am to live my life. Paul tried to explain this to the Romans. There's, there's a church in Rome, and, and Rome is influenced just like we are. Rome was all about being smart and powerful. The Romans were all about their identity as being smarter than everybody, more wealthy than everybody, being better than the rest of the world. Rome had an arrogance to itself. And so when Paul writes to Rome, he's speaking to a group of people much like us here in the United States, that he's saying, look, I need you to understand this. Romans chapter 5, verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. 
The gift of Christ on the cross is not like the sin of Adam and Eve. For if many died by the trespass of one man, many have died, all have died because of the fall of Adam and Eve. How much more did God's grace and his gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? He's contrasting sin and its cost and Jesus' sacrifice in its grace. Verse 16, nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Let me summarize this. Let me, let me bring this down to us this morning. Jesus is saying this. Paul is writing to us about Jesus, and he's saying this. When you look at the cost of sin, when you look at what sin is, it is nothing compared to the righteousness and sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You know what I'm guilty of? You know what I'm guilty of? I wake up and say how horrible things are in the world, how much power sin has over the world, how it's devastated lives, how it bothers me, how it's affected me, how horrible the future looks, how horrible the government is, how horrible what's going on over in other parts of the world is. And I, I focus on these things and I make them big and powerful and overwhelming. And Paul is saying stop doing that. The righteousness of the cross, the gift of eternal life, the sacrifice for your sins is infinitely larger than the, the fallenness of man. You see, you either focus on man's mess or God's grace. That's how we live. You can only focus on one or the other. I'm either looking at God, at the world, and saying what a mess sin has made of it and what I'm part of that mess and it's never going to get any better. Or I'm looking at saying it's a good God who's faithful and patient and he's coming again to make all things right. So this morning when we celebrate and we recognize, yes, the cost was great of sin. Let us not deny our sins cost Christ so much. But what he did was so much bigger. The cross was so much greater. The cross can saturate every pore of your body and it can sing for joy of the wonders of our God. We don't serve a small God. We don't serve a God that's waiting for our emotional reactions. We don't serve a God that's looking for us to put him on a pedestal. He's already there. It's the gift when we find him. It's the gift when we're realizing who he really is. It's the gift when I realize I was lost, but I'm found. I'm blind, but I see. It is a gift to know the beauty of who God and what God has done for all of us. When we celebrate the resurrection, we don't celebrate it because it was a loss on a cross. We celebrate it because it was a win on the cross. It's the greatest moment in human history. It's the greatest thing to share. It's the best thing to celebrate. If you're going to cheer for something, cheer for the cross. Because I'm a lost sinner. I'm a broken vessel that has been saved and is being redeemed by the blood of Christ. Every month we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. We say the blood and the body. Why? Because it's the greatest victory ever. This morning when we think of the cost, we think about what this is about, and Paul was just doing everything. If this whole chapter, Romans 5, is all about this concept, stop making sin your focus and start making the righteousness and grace of Christ your focus. Church, 
He's talking to us as the church. How many churches live in despair and say, well, I'm worried about the next group, and I'm, it's horrible, horrible, horrible. Did God not overcome all of that? Is there not an amazing future? Is there not the, the king of kings returning for his people? Today is the day of celebration. Next Sunday is the day of celebration. Even Good Friday is the day of celebration because sin turned into nothing. On that day, the price Jesus paid on the cross is even greater than the debt of sin. Have you ever recognized that? Have you ever thought about that? The price, Jesus, when he said, here's the cost, here's the cost of every human sin at the cross, Jesus uh, paid a hundred times fold. On that cross, he paid in his righteousness infinitely more even than the debt of sin. Because that's how great he is. That's how infinite he is. That is who he is. His desire is for us to know him and love him and pursue him. Not to hide in the garden with our sin and hope it all works out. Wishful thinking. Maybe this will get better. Maybe I'll be good enough. Maybe this path will lead me to the right place. Listen, we know if you're here this morning, I hope you know this truth and I hope it's ingrained in your heart. I hope it's part of who you are. But guess what? There's about 62,000 people within five miles of us right now that don't know this truth. They have no idea. They think Easter's about a bunny rabbit and chocolate eggs and jelly beans and a fun time. How sad it is to be so close to the truth but yet so far away. How sad it is to be so reliant on your own righteousness and miss the whole point of this, the, the cross and the resurrection. How sad it is that we live in this place in this time and yet so few know the truth. So few even in our own lives know the truth. Matthew 27, 46 about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, la, shebeknanai, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That price, that price is what Jesus paid so that we could have joy. Do you know what was the worst part of the cross? It wasn't the nails in the hand. It wasn't the whipping. It wasn't the scourging. It wasn't all the horrible treatment, the spitting, the cursing. The worst part is this moment. This is where the total cost was paid for you and, and abundantly beyond what we could ever even come close to. The moment that Jesus was rejected by his father is the price that he paid. And that price is way more than any of us can imagine. This is the truth. If there's one truth to understand about life, if there's one truth to go past just you hearing it and knowing it and you believing it, this is that truth I would ask for you to have. That this truth, this truth would sink deep within all of us. That we'd recognize every day as a gift from the Lord. And that gift began 2,000 years ago on the cross. And that the day would be nothing without this cost being paid. This morning would not be worth living if Christ did not pay this price for you and me. All those fun things you've done, all those great things you've done, all the things about life that show us heaven is in front of us, all those little tastes of heaven are pointless without this. This is the key that opens the door for you and me to be part of the family.
Jesus was willing to do that. Jesus left heaven. Listen, Jesus left heaven and glory so you and I could enter it. Jesus left, you've been, you know, some of you have been to the Grand Canyon. Some of you have been to glorious places. You've been to the beach, the sunrise, the sunset. You've been to glorious places. Those, not, those things are, are mundane. Those are not even comparable to the glory of heaven and God. And God left his glory and sacrificed himself so that you could enter that glory. And you could be in that place. That is what we're celebrating. That is what this whole season is about. It's not about a great loss. It's about a great victory. And it's about you and me taking it seriously. It's about you and me using the influence we have to share with as many as we can. And both speaking it and living it so that both come together and point in the right direction. Are we willing to do that today? Are we willing to to make that commitment? Hebrews 12 is really the point of application this morning. Hebrews 12, 2 through 3. This gives us absolute direction on how we're to live this truth out. Here's what it says. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. Some of you are hunters. You know? It says if you aim big, miss big. Aim small, miss small. Right? Fix your eye on Jesus. Look past the cancer. Look past the debt. Look past the problems. Look past what's going on in the world. Look past all the things that will distract you, whether they're pleasure or pain. Look past them at Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? He is the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What is that joy that was set before him? That joy was that all of us in this room could be part of his family if he went to the cross. The joy that was set before him is that he could build a family that would be part of his home with his father eternally. And so he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go through this cross, which is the most horrific thing that there can possibly be. Why? Because there's joy on the other side. And that joy is that you and I get to be part of his family. And so for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, the scorning and its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's what he says to us. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He's saying, look, there's going to be times where you're going to be tempted to grow weary and to give up. But don't do it. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't own sin that happened a long time ago that that he's forgiven. Stop carrying that with you. Some of us in this room need to know that God doesn't want us to live in shame and guilt. That's why he went to the cross and paid for it. He wants us to live holy, righteous lives, not looking in the rearview mirror at things we did 20, 30 years ago. He wants us to be excited about today and tomorrow. He wants us to live in victory every moment of our life. To do that, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus every day. When you start the morning, you got to clean your eyes out and say, I'm focused on Jesus today. At my work, in my neighborhood, with my family, I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus today. It is a daily commitment. It's not a lifelong. It is lifelong, but it isn't. That long, it's every day, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Secondly, don't give up. 
This morning, I guarantee we've all felt that, that call to give up. That, that emotion to give up, it's just too much. I can't handle it. This is overwhelming, I'm gonna give up. At that moment is the moment you say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Amen. Not my will, my will is to quit. This is, I don't need this in my life, right? Not my will, but your will be done, don't give up. And finally, listen, I truly believe next week Every day of your life, if you lived in victory, people would be attracted to Jesus. If you live in defeat, who wants to be around someone who's like, this is terrible, that's terrible, life's terrible, everything's horrible, I can't. There's no victory in what you say. There's no victory in your actions. There's no victory in your lifestyle. You're defeated in every way. It's not your victory, it's his victory. Why don't you own it? He's giving it to you. He's giving it to me. The victory is his, and I am his, so then it's my victory. Own your victory. Own it with your words. Own it with your actions. Own it with your thoughts. The cross victory is too big for you to just think about on Sunday. So what is he telling you right now? What is he saying to you? What is he saying to us? We've been given a gift, 1 John 1, 9. Is this an amazing verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is the gift. This is the gift he wants us to receive. This is the gift he wants us to share. We can be forgiven. Sin has a cure. Now what will we do? What will you do? What will I do? We need to record this. God gave us the gift of language, the ability to write that language down so we can look at it later. So record what he tells you. Plan. Make a plan. God has a plan for your life. Listen to him and write it down. And then be ready to share at any moment. Be ready to share at any moment. Because he's going to use you if you're ready. He's going to give you opportunities to share this good news, this victory. So let's commit ourselves right now. Let's commit ourselves being obedient and living in victory.